Welcome to the Mental Health in Schools podcast, designed and delivered by Anna Bateman, founder of Halcyon Education. Welcome to Halcyon Education Podcasts, a podcast for mental health leads in schools. In this episode three, I'm so thrilled to have interviewed such a passionate leader and advocate for well-being as Richard Ellis, who's head teacher of a primary school in a significantly challenging area. This is a very practical podcast with ideas ranging from staff well-being to establishing a safe oasis for children when all around them perhaps might feel unsafe. First, a quick word from our sponsors. CPOMS is an online system for schools to manage pastoral concerns and events now used by over 10,000 schools. The main reason it works so well is that the categories of information a school logs on CPOMS are chosen by the school so that the concerns you face that are more unique to your community or individuals can be logged accordingly. It saves a huge amount of time compared to doing things on paper. Chronologies for pupils or school-wide reports can be generated quickly. The Service Point support team provide an incredible standard of service and are one of the main reasons CPOM spread by word of mouth to so many schools. For more information, go to www.cpoms.co.uk, where you can also book a demo for your school. Now to the podcast. I'm here with Richard Ellis. So thank you, Richard, who's head teacher at a primary school. And um, just just fascinated to know, Richard, how this year has been for you, managing all the way through this crazy lockdown and pandemic. Well, at first it was somewhat unique. Um, casting my mind back to March of 2020 and the unusual situation we found ourselves in uh, there was no consideration at the time that this was going to be as long-lived as it has been and change things in education here at school as much as it has and uh, challenge us as a school to adapt and alter our outlook and this, what we can provide for the children and where our priorities lie to the extent that we've had to do that. Mm. Initially, obviously on lockdown, the first our first priorities were how are we going to continue to sustain education? That wasn't a priority for the government at the time. So our issue was about whether or not uh, we're able to cater for those vulnerable and key worker children etc and then that changed in time so it's been extremely challenging extremely challenging indeed but not something that in teaching we're not unfamiliar with because your your sense in teaching you have to adapt to a continually changing framework Mm -hmm. and continually changing demands upon yourselves as teachers and as as an environment Mm. what's got you through do you think in my case well there's obviously the elements of determination about it that's had yeah. to be in place. Uh, I, I won't deny that this is, I've always considered myself to be a very resilient man, but this has tested my resilience to an extreme mm. because uh, um, of a sense of the goalpost shifting continually. Mm. And that's nobody's fault. I mean, the, we're, everybody's had to adapt to an unknown, so that's understandable. And uh, ultimately, it's what's got me through more than anything is the reason I'm in this job is because of my uh, commitment to the well-being and the welfare of the children in my care mm-hmm. and uh, an absolute sheer determination to see that through. Mm-hmm. Well, that's fabulous. And in that in that sense, 
you know, you've got great kind of vision for well-being, haven't you, as a school? And I know that you, um, just before the pandemic, you'd started to look at how you'd support staff with their well-being. Um, and you've set up some kind of counselling for staff. Yes, well, some time back, uh, I could see the writing on the wall with regards to the services that the authority was able to offer to all schools with extending from speech and language therapy, educational psychologists, school nursing services, etc. So we took the decision at the time to use a significant amount of our funding to buy in services in order to, to ensure that we were able to sustain those vital requirements. Being the nature of the type of school that we are with a very diverse community, mm -hmm. uh, 53 different languages in fact at the last recorded census, and a high proportion of children who are new to the country. There is a great demand on services for, as I say, like speech and language, educational psychologists and so forth. So we, we, we took the stance that we would start buying that in ourselves and fundamentally creating our own sort of in-house facility. Uh, and then in time, as that developed, uh, it became, uh, I became more and more aware of the need to look at the mental health aspects because we were aware, I was aware of uh, obviously issues that some of my staff may be having uh, and the need to, to support them uh, and likewise issues with amongst children. We started looking around at what we could do and, uh, and again into that team brought in a qualified counsellor. Uh, that has developed over time. Um, initially that we were only looking at that being once a month for staff there was uh, a reluctance at first among staff, but once uh, they became assured that it was anonymous, that it was the information was not coming back to me. This mm. was not a fact-finding exercise for me to pry into their personal lives and psyche, uh, and that it was being treated with in a, a highly confidentially, and it was there as a service for them to take advantage of without any fear or prejudice. Mm. And I've been a big supporter of that. I mean, I've had mental health issues in my own life which I've had to come to terms with and I've dealt with through proper professional support and I realise how important it is that that is available mm -hmm. because uh, if, you, if it's not available to be addressed and, and, and supported then it can become a burden for too long yeah. when, it, when it otherwise can be addressed. Yeah. And uh, I'm, I was keen to provide that to my own staff because I knew of issues that were impacting on their ability to do their jobs yeah. uh, and a lot of those stemmed around mental health issues, uh, worries, fears, family issues and so mm. forth and the opportunity to be able to talk to somebody impartially and in essence just get things off their chest but not always feeling that they had to come and talk to me about it because it's not appropriate at times and they don't necessarily want to share that. Uh, so we started off with that, it was a great, great success, I mean staff were really enthusiastic. We have. Um, a small core of staff now who regularly take advantage of that mm. and uh, if anything it's allowed, enabled them uh, to be more confident about that as well and to share the fact with me and with other staff that they attend the counselling because it is removed, it is allowed by their attendance etc and by the way the school has handled it we've enabled us to sort of shed the prejudices that go with it. So they've, um, they're very open about that now. Uh, and in, in fact, it's increased the, the, the enthusiasm of other staff to participate. And that might only be uh, 
a one-off mm. opportunity to sit down with somebody for an hour and have a chat. It might be a, a couple of sessions, uh, but the need was there, so we've increased that now to fortnightly visits. Wow. And in turn, because of changes in the staffing following restructuring within the school, I've I've managed to free up the 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 on on site uh, facility that was the residential property for the caretaker, who's no longer residential, and we've been able to utilise that now mm. as uh, what will be a hub in the future. So we're just now nearing completion. Mm. And in fact, as we speak today, the councillor is in school and taking advantage of the designated counselling room, which is. Yeah softly furnished for her etc and comfortable yeah. and it's outside of the main building which I felt was important as well mm. so it's a different environment some of the staff would not necessarily go because it's going to be largely used for parental engagement yeah. um, that could be uh, social services or that sort of meeting formal meetings or it could also be adult ed mm. but it's a, it's a separate entity to the main building so it, it provides that I think there's something to be said about the psychological impact of not being actually within the workplace yeah. and being somewhere else but feeling a sense of attachment. Yeah. So that's been really, really useful. Yeah. Long term plan would uh, is that we are looking to how we adapt that and amend it uh, for the children. Mm -hmm. We're constantly looking at ways of building in mental health awareness amongst the children and how the staff are supporting children in that. Yeah. Recently my, my Two my two senior mentors within the school have been trained as mental health first aiders yeah. to uh, be that p first point of call to mm -hmm. maybe make minor sort of assessments, should we say, as to possibly there might be a need for, some, for more professional support here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that's working really well. So we just literally, we, we're seeing as it develops, we're taking it one step at a time. But it's something that I feel very passionately about. Mm. If we as a school, uh, it's a, a, an ethos that I've always held true is that it's about the whole child. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't wish to sound cliche and I know it's probably an expression that probably ages me as a teacher as well. But in this school, in such a deprived area, it's so vitally important that it's not just about um, their, uh, the national curriculum per se mm -hmm. and their uh, various assessment points. Mm -hmm. It's about preparing these children to be rounded individuals that can make a positive contribution and be um, aspirational towards their own future. Now a short break to hear from our sponsors. Stamps by Post is a family-run business and a Royal Mail licensed provider of postage stamps to schools, charities and businesses. So, whether you're a small rural school or a large multi-academy trust, you can have your stamps delivered straight to your door instead of visiting the post office. And when you order before 4pm, they're dispatched the same day via the first-class post. Stamps by Post have been providing customers with a first-class service now for over 25 years. To find out more or to place an order in just a few clicks, go to www.stampsbypost.com. Now back to the podcast. We're investing a lot of money next in, in a gardening project here at school, uh, a sustainable one. Um, I have a gut, my, I've made some staff changes and I'm taking advantage of the, a very highly skilled caretaker mm -hmm. who's now going to become a gar gardener. And we're setting up a polytunnel, there's going to be bedding around the school all year round, uh, flower displays, vegetable growth, and that's an extension of the recent developments of the forest school. So that will be something that is feeding out around the school mm -hmm. as well. 
because that is a, I feel that forest school and gardening, gardening is well established as a, as a good way of uh, supporting mental well-being, yeah. uh, easing stress and anxiety. And so I want to take advantage of that. Our forest schools likewise uh, provide a different opportunity for children to see the world in a different way, learn skills in a different way. And I'm very keen on that. Mm -hmm. But when we tie them together in an area like this, we also have the potential benefits of getting a situation where we can cultivate a sense of pride in their environment. Yeah. Uh, I, want, I would like the children to develop a love of those more aesthetic things like gardening, mm -hmm. perhaps a love of flowers and mm -hmm. plants, etc. Yeah. Uh, and who knows then, hopefully become lifelong passionate gardeners that in turn, despite where they live, are able to take those skills and adapt their immediate home environment into a mm. small oasis environment that is in itself nurturing good well mental well-being and stability and security yeah. amongst their children yeah. in turn. Yeah. So there, there's, there's always change, there's always scope for change and there's always scope for adapting things but you have to be prepared to think things through and not, I, I, we don't do anything as a knee-jerk reaction here no. but we do things that perhaps are not necessarily what you might think as the norm because um, and we're prepared to take those risks because we feel that we can justify them and justify them um, very clearly and with a great deal of passion and evidence that. Mm, absolutely. And that, that very powerful vision that's driven from personal experience but also sits really well within the kind of context and uh, what we'd call contextual mental health and well-being, knowing that the children aren't in an environment that does lend itself to aesthetic flowers and gardens and you know, and it's often, you know, there's rubbish left outside or things like that. And so you're kind of combining the two, aren't you? And helping the children to then take a sense of pride in their environment. Yes. And uh, to give you an indication, this, 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 the, the processes that I go through in, in coming up with these ideas and so forth, uh, a very strong influence on me was a comment passed by an offset inspector back in 2014. Uh, where there was clearly a lot of concern about the safety and well-being of the staff in this school, having driven through the area to reach the school. At times this area can look really quite frightening, uh, with I, large items of furniture strewn across mm. the street, litter strewn everywhere, open bags, old fridges, cars, evidence of um, drug abuse, mm. etc. It can appear a frightening area, but we're very much part of the community, and the parents are very much, and, and it's, uh, if you look at it superficially as a stranger coming in, it would disturb you. Mm. So it's really important to, to us here that we create a situation in school where the children can step out of that environment, the environment that forms the bulk of their day, mm. into an environment that is the polar opposite to the environment they normally live in, but an environment that nurture, that puts them first, mm -hmm. is welcoming, uh, is a, it immediately 
uh, imposes a sense of calm amongst them and relaxation and therefore enables them to focus on why they're here. Yeah. If they don't feel safe in the school, if they don't feel that they, they can actually relax and that the school itself uh, imposes almost a sense of well-being upon them, <laughs> then how on earth are they going to set aside the fears and worries or in turn open up about their fears and worries mm -hmm. and enable us to address them. Mm -hmm. I mean on that note, which I perhaps should have mentioned earlier, we we do uh, the three houses regularly, we do that half-termly mm -hmm. in order to keep tabs on where are the children, are there any issues here that are emerging. The first thing when we returned from the most recent lockdown was a week of free time. Mm. Uh, I've made it very clear to the staff that the children's well-being is our priority, not maths and English. Mm. And somebody might want to shoot me for that. I, I'm, I'm sorry, I think I have a very strong case for it. Mm. They've been deprived of their friends and the environment that they love and the social interaction for too long. They needed that time to enjoy that mm. and to um, learn what it was to be a child again in school. Mm. And so we focused on purely pastoral care during that first week, and, but also we, uh, took the opportunity to do our three houses for our own purposes to then see it, what issues may have arisen as a result of the, yeah. the pandemic yeah. and that extended period of time stuck at home. Yeah. Well, when I interviewed the, the pupils, that, that really stuck in their mind, the opportunity. They, when I asked them, you know, when you were, when you were coming back in school, what, you know, what were you thinking or how were you feeling? feeling awkward and they they all said that that week of being able to play and and just play games and do things together and hang out made all the difference so that that comfortableness almost that you're talking about mm. the the safety is how, probably how we describe it was there already and then they felt that they could they felt then they could learn yes you know that was absolutely well, I'm really, I'm really, how they felt I'm really glad to hear that <laughs> yeah. because that was the intention mm. and if that if that's the purpose that it has served then that's great, yeah. absolutely great. Yeah, a true, true oasis in all senses of the word here. So, and I, I want to thank you for sharing your your thought processes around that, um, and that clearly they're, they're not knee-jerk reactions. They are very well thought through vision that you have for the school and the children here. So, thank you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. What a gem of an interview! Considered thought through activities which provide children with the safe environment they need to thrive both academically and personally. The next episode features children from the school talking about their experiences of lockdown and how the school has helped them develop resilience. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. For more information and support on this topic, go to the resources section of the website www.halcyon.education forward slash podcasts.